Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And hey, it's it's August. Matt, we're here. We're in it the fall. August. It is yeah. August. Yeah, normally we would be uh, we would be doing maybe part one or two of our uh, mega extravaganza football preview, um, which we still may have to do at some point, but I, I'm holding off, I guess, and I think you are too. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we'll we'll get our football preview in if necessary. But yeah, it's interesting you say that. It doesn't feel like August. No, uh, it's good that sports are back, but it just does not. I was thinking that yesterday, actually, as I I, I went for a walk around my apartment complex here during my workday, and and uh, you know, I even thought it's just you know, it, it, since about May, every time has just about felt the same. It doesn't have that same rhythm to the calendar that it normally does. I 100% agree. I saw, I think it was Bob Nightingale tweeted a stat. This is the latest in the year the Marlins have ever led the NL East. And it's like, well, they've only played five games. Like, if you don't, if you don't start the season, you know, until late July. It's a little bit of a misleading stat, but you know, uh, one that I guess is accurate. Yeah. I mean, this, this year is made for the, uh, you know, the people who like to find crazy stat trends and, you know, uh, you know, every NBA team went, you know, four months without a victory. That's going to, that's definitely going to be the longest victory drought, whoever wins this championship, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of that. My, my favorite NBA stat on the topic of random stats mm-hmm. was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, though, at one point the Wizards fell below. In fact, it's today, right now. The Wizards are statistically behind the Hornets, who were not right. invited to the bubble. Right, and they probably will finish that way because the, <clears throat> the Wizards are clearly <clears throat> going through the motions, it seems like, um, you know, just just uh, using this as, as extra conditioning. Um, you know, they have no Bradley Beal. John Walls missed the whole year. Yeah, they stink. So, well, they're uh, only a half game away from passing the Bulls in the lottery. Are they? Are they? Yeah, I I saw that this morning too. I was looking just looking at the standings, and I noticed you know it had on ESPN it had you know E next to Charlotte for eliminated, but not for Washington. And for just a split second, I'm thinking, well, now wait a minute, how can that be? And then I thought, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, technically, Washington's not out yet because if they finish within four games of eight, which I I think is very soon to be. <laughs> that's not possible anymore but right now it's it's still mathematically possible yeah the uh the bucks went ahead and clinched the number one seed in the east today which means yeah. their fans will get to be on the first eight rows of seats right. during right. the majority yeah. of games the uh the, the virtual fans or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you know they've, they've done some pretty cool things you know I, i'll say that um you know to try to try to replicate i read you know this article yesterday that the lakers had their pa guy you know record different lineup combos so they could use him to introduce the team you know like they've they've tried i mean obviously it's not the same as playing at home and having your rims and and your you know fans making noise and all of that but you know they they've tried their best to replicate as much as they could i think yeah much better than baseball with the cardboard cutouts and and i think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the uh Dumb decision by the Mariners to put a Bartman cutout down the line. Um, yeah, I, didn't, I don't get that one. Since they have nothing to do with the Cubs. They have nothing but, to do with the Cubs. They have nothing to do with Bartman. The guy right. has become a self, you know, self-enforcing hermit when it comes right. to baseball. <laughs> right, right, yeah. 
And and there's no reason, you know, 17 years later, yeah, to to just take that swipe. I mean, that's take a shot. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. It it uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me either. Yeah. Um. So there's been a lot of sports, and this is going to be, I think, we can comfortably say a scattershot podcast. Uh, on a number of topics, I, you know, for example, I'm seeing just now that the Packers announced that there will be no fans until at yeah, least the first month of the season. First two games, yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting. Sure they won't be alone. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they really think they can come back. I'm, I'm curious how that'll go. I, the one nice thing I guess about playing very late games at Lambeau in the season yeah. is it's cold enough that people will want to wear a mask over their face, whether, yeah, th- whether politically yeah. or emotionally they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I know I read MLS, the, the MLS commissioner said, you know, that they're, they're going to go on with their season at home sites after this tournament ends and that, you know, in places that will allow fans, they'll have fans. And obviously MLS games don't get, you know, 70, 80,000 plus people like football games do, but uh, you know, we talked about it last time, you know, somebody is going to, to, you know, dip their toe in that water. NASCAR's already done it at least once, mm-hmm. the, that all-star race. Um, and I, I don't know if they've done it more than that, but, um, you know, and, you know, it, it, look, it, it, the, the industry is not going to last forever like this, but it's, it's a, you know, it's just a temporary bandaid that we're, we're doing with a lot of things. Um, and it's, you know, look, it's given us a TV product and that's better than nothing at all. Uh, do I do I miss the days of full arenas and full stadiums and golf courses that are lined with, you know, a dozen deep up the fairway? Yeah, I do, but you know, I'll, I'll take this for now. Well, and that's the thing. Everyone knows we're pulling this season out. This season's going to be in all of these sports. Sure. If not an asterisk, something that we all agree. Look, this isn't normal. This, this is, is weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agreed. So. I guess what's the harm? I mean, revenue aside, you know, what's the harm? You're you're gonna lose your home field advantage. Most sure. teams are going to. Most teams are exactly no. I mean, uh, you know, that's the harm. I mean, what you just said is is the harm. It, it's it's the loss of of the gate, the parking, the concessions, the merchandise, all that stuff, and um, you know, it, it um, the luxury suites and all of that. And, you know, I. One of the things we talked last time, and I, I think I said something about, you know, they, you know, teams are going to want those boxes full. It wouldn't shock me if that's a way for teams to kind of start this, you know, mm-hmm. see if you can, if you could, you know, have your, have your high rollers, you know, buy luxury suites and, but, you know, they're pretty much secluded anyway. You're not putting thousands of people in there. You mm-hmm. know, you put your corporate sponsors or something like that. The PGA is already kind of doing that having, you know, they're calling them like, you know, sponsor guests or something like that and having some of the title sponsor people showing up. So that is certainly a way that I could see NFL teams diving into this year is, hey, we may not be able to fill the stands, but we can we can have some people in our luxury boxes. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about a sport that is coming up soon. And that is college football. Now, mm-hmm. normally, camps would be opening, but generally, camps are not open for college teams yet. I, you know, we're, right. yeah. we're a couple weeks away on this delayed start. And that's true. Um, 
you know, I guess now that you're saying that, since the last time we talked, we got our we got our new ASU schedule, which is bizarre. Yeah, we we've got the we've got the schedule with the opener rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that'll be uh, interesting if it all comes to pass. That's uh, very unusual um, to play. You know, in the I mean, I guess we played a bowl game, but essentially back to back games. Um, you know, end your regular season and, and start the next one with the same opponent. Yeah. And, and I get why the Pac-12 did it. And, and I think it makes sense to do it the way they did, which is you you buy yourself almost an extra week because there's no flight, really, right. except for Colorado, Utah. True. Which they True. don't play. They're not playing week one. They're not playing. No, I think, yeah. it's, I think it's Arizona ASU and, and USC UCLA are the... Mm-hmm. Are the two rivalry games that are supposed to happen opening weekend, but they've even kind of given it a wink, wink of like, well, we could always push those to the last week of the year because they, you know, they each have that last week, December twelfth off, I guess. Which, yeah. of course, then begs the question: Why not just schedule them for the last week of the year like they always are? But I'm sure there's a rationale behind it. So ASU's schedule at Arizona. Home to Stanford, at Oregon, home to UCLA, at Colorado, home to Utah, at Wazoo, at USC, and then finishing the year with back-to-back home weekends, Cal and Oregon State. Yeah, the finish is, is you know, it's, I mean, it's obviously, first of all, very weird to talk about the finish of the season, not including the Arizona game. Uh, never before we talked about that, and hopefully never again after this year will that be relevant, but... Uh, um, you know, it's, it's not the worst finish. I mean, Cal is expected to be a pretty good team. They have been the last couple of years and very good defensively. And I think, you know, this is a year that some are thinking Cal can, you know, make a leap up from, you know, seven, eight wins to maybe a contender to win the division. But obviously Oregon State, not the, not too strong. And having back-to-back home games at the end, I mean, if you are fighting for something, and hopefully we will be, it's not the worst thing in the world. Now, on the fighting for something piece of this, though, one thing that is a little disappointing about this schedule is three of our last four are Pac-12 North opponents. Yeah, true. You know, so you cannot come out flat. We, We play two North opponents after Arizona, but then it is UCLA, Colorado, Utah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you're right. And tiebreakers and whatnot, and, and you know, head-to-head and division record are the lead tiebreakers. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's um, it's still like we're having this conversation, and and there's a part of me that feels weird because one, we should be having this conversation more intensely, and two, I haven't I haven't really thought of it in these terms. That I mean, that's the weird thing about this football season, and I think it's probably the same for you, both pro and college, is the dominating thought has been, can it happen? How will it happen? Blah, blah, blah. To the point where I've not really thought that much about like who can win, uh, you know, and it's, I mean, it's a fun thing to think about and I hope we get more chances to think about those things, but you know, I haven't, I haven't done a lot of that normally by this point, you know, I've, I've, you know, done a lot of my research and I'm ready to roll. Uh, it's, it's almost a foreign feeling right now. Well, I saw the coaches poll came out. And that was weird. Which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it is that time of year where preseason polls should be coming out. But like I said at the start of this, this just doesn't feel like your typical early August. It does if you step outside in Arizona, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't feel that way in terms of the sports calendar. That is for sure. It just 
it just, you know, feels like another midsummer day, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, the sports calendar is crazy. I saw something like the it's Cardinals bizarre. have to play 55 games in 52 days. For, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, of, it's bizarre. You know, it's, I mean, the fact that, you know, I was watching a, a PGA preview show earlier this week on Golf Channel, and they were talking about, you know, normally by this time of year, all four majors would be done. And then even said, you know, you know, they were kind of doing a package like, you know, we'd have a we'd have a Kentucky Derby winner, an Indy 500 winner, an NBA champion, a, a Stanley Cup champion. You know, none of those things have happened yet. Uh, you know, this is the first major of the year in golf. I mean, it's it's such a strange year. Football's trying to play on basically the same calendar. I know they've they've kind of they've changed college football schedule, but everybody's supposed to start in September at least. Um, and it just doesn't it doesn't feel that way right now. But, you know, like I said, hey, I I hope, uh, fingers crossed, that this will come off and, and we will open with that Arizona game in, what, seven or eight weeks, I guess. I mean, it's not that far off. Yeah, it, it seems like the, the things that are going to get back on schedule, college basketball and college yeah. football. Yeah, in the I, NFL. In the NFL. Um. You know, college basketball for ASU fans, and, and Doug Howler featured the tweet in one of his stories, you know, yeah. wouldn't it just be like ASU to have <laughs> their best recruiting class, their most exciting football team, their most exciting basketball team, and the seasons <laughs> don't happen? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, can't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to be defeatist on that, and I, and I won't be until I have to be, I guess, if, if that time comes. Um, you know, I, I, I think college basketball has a better chance of, of you know, somehow existing. Um, although, again, I think there's going to be every every effort to make college football exist, too, as much as possible. What form it takes is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, will it will it uh, could you see one, you know, one of the major conferences drop out and the others just go forward? I think it's possible. Well, we uh, saw UConn football today announce they're not going to yeah. play this season. Now, I will say the the cynical side of me looked at that and said, "Well, they're an independent that is probably really struggling to schedule games because you know the games they had scheduled are off the board, and that's that program's a money loser. I mean, they really like that. That was a uh, self interest sort of move, like ah, you know, and you could couch it in the well, we're concerned about our players. Eh. You're concerned about your bottom line, which you were about to tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I read, and, and you know, somebody, I can't remember who, some one of the college football writers said something about, you know, UConn is, is canceling their season because they were in line to lose money. Uh, lots of teams are going to try to save their season because they'll lose money if they don't. So it's a, it's a different animal being UConn than, you know, Ohio State or even Purdue. True. I, the thing for me that's going to be interesting about college basketball, if you're in a state like, you know, California, yeah. you can play a full non-conference of just busing, oh, sure. you know, sure. Northridge, Fullerton, Irvine. Oh, gosh, yeah. God, yeah. There's, there's probably 30 college basketball schools in California. I mean, maybe more than that. You know, and, and I'm wondering what ASU can do. You know, we've got a game against BYU. We've got a game against Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can yeah. we can we do like last year and play a non-conference conference game against Utah and Colorado? I, mean, I suppose you could. I suppose you could. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, I don't know. I don't think, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're not yet at the point where they've got to, you know, readjust the college basketball schedule. I, uh, you know, knock wood, they won't have to, and then we'll be able to at least go forward with the games, uh, as scheduled. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what you said is true that, you know, those are the sports, college football, NFL, college basketball that, you know, give us at least the chance to get the calendar back on track and then, you know, hopefully football and, or not football, basketball and hockey and the pros can, you know, start December sometime and, and maybe try to finish in, you know, late June, get themselves back on track too, hopefully. This, by the way, might be, we're really bouncing around, but this might be the way That's the right. NBA Players Association gets the schedule down to 76 games or 72 it games. It might, You know, yeah, if you're going to make yeah. us come back and play a full season, you want to try to end in June? Right. Now, I guess right. we better only play 70. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now the, the, the argument could be made, and, and it'll be interesting how what the weight is, because you could you could start the NBA season in December and finish it in August, have your basic rhythm the October to June, just move everything two months later, but then you run into the Olympics, and the NBA really likes having their players involved in the Olympics. Um, and, and, you know, do you even, even taking away... 2021 and whether there's going to be Olympics or not, there's going to be in 2024. So do they want that to be their new calendar and basically say to the Olympics, no dice? I don't think they do. Um, Go back to the pre-dream team. Yeah, I mean, you could, but boy, uh, you know, they they love that international flair. I mean, they've, they've made that such a campaign over the last few decades that, you know, the, the guys you see and they can go play for their countries and, uh, and I, I just... I don't know. You know, I mean, I know there's questions about whether the Olympics will actually happen in 2021. Um, so you could do it temporarily. But, I, you know, before all this happened with the NBA shutdown, I know that one of the Hawks owners was advocating, you know, why don't we start at Christmas and finish in August? As a as just a basketball fan, it's not the worst idea. But when you throw in the Olympic caveat, I'm not sure it happens. Yeah, although hockey manages to find a workaround every four years. They do, they do, but that's in the middle of the season. They stop, yeah. you know, I mean, do you want to, you, you don't, you don't really want to have, you know, if the Olympics start in early August and you're in your conference finals, you know, you don't want to be like, well, in the middle of the playoffs, let's take a pause. Um, you know, February, yeah, you could do it in hockey. Maybe it's the, like the Pro Bowl, the guys who would have made it, who are still <laughs> playing. Well, Although, that's the other thing I'm thinking, you know, like, okay, you could, you know, you might be in the NBA finals by then, but you're not going to know who's in the finals until a few days before. So you wouldn't be able to know like, well, okay, can, you know, can LeBron play for team USA? Can, you know, Kevin Durant, or is he still playing or not? Yeah. One, the other thing that's interesting is for countries that aren't the U S like, right. Would, would Greece, if, if Giannis is in the finals, would Greece say, Oh no! Yeah, go play in the NBA Finals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, or or all of the Canadian guys. I mean, there's a lot of good Canadian players now. There is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I don't know that you can pull that off. Yeah. I mean, to me, if you go into August, you're basically saying we're out on the Olympics. Or if you you want to leave your team in the middle of the playoffs, I guess you can. But we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. And I just I don't see them doing that. But it could happen for one year, especially if. You know, if they feel like, I don't know if anybody's going to pull the trigger that early, that, you know, the Olympics aren't going to happen in 2021. Yeah. But I can't imagine that Japan pulls the trigger to cancel them by November or December. That's awfully early. 
Well, if this year was any indicator, they're going to wait until yeah. six weeks. I mean, they've invested a ton of money in in that, and I, I you know, gosh, I can't imagine them uh, canceling that six months ahead of time. I, you know, I wouldn't. Geez, that's that's bad business on their part to just throw it away that that early. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pivot back to the things we talked about talking yes. about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, hey. It's nice that there's a lot going on in the sports world. We've, we've had some conversations where we're grasping at straws, so at least we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, ASU basketball. Let's start there. With yes. you know, we I mentioned before the, that this is a top recruiting class. We've got mm-hmm. two of our top four ever recruits, I believe they said, in this incoming By the numbers, class. I guess, yeah. yeah. With Bagley and Christopher coming in and the return of Remy Martin. To, yeah, you know, yeah. The news that we got in the last few days, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we got, you know what, when the draft deadline came, we had, you know, Martin and Verge and White all in, and I think if you had, if you told me that we'd get two of the three back, and this was before White transferred, um, you know, I probably would have said, okay, I'll, I'll take that, and, and that's what we ended up with, so not too shabby. Yeah, and now you're looking at a backcourt, you know, maybe – Back to the Holder era oh, yeah. with three oh, yeah. guards, Christopher joining Martin and Verge. Yeah, uh, I think so. You know, I mean, Verge did play some off the bench. I, I think that you're going to see the end of Jalen House as anything but a energy guy uh, or a foul trouble guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you could see him, you know, play uh, an important role. Probably not as a starter. If ever, I mean, if things go well and, and you're healthy and all of that, but you know, a, a defensive guy. I mean, he, you know, against teams that maybe play small, you could you could maybe play him with Martin and Verge and and play you know three true guards and even have Christopher as a four guy. Um, you know, you mix and match a little. I I think he's still a, an important role, but but probably not as a starter or anything just yet. I view him next year sort of on the same tier as Martin his freshman year, where yeah. it's, if he gets hot, maybe he keeps playing in the game, but but there's right. going to be a moment where somebody on the other team, some guard is going to get hot, and the answer is going to be, well, okay, Jalen House, you just go stand in his yeah. face. Yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. So, I, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think you'll still see him as a, as a key defensive guy and hopefully take a step forward in terms of his offense, too. I mean, his, his offense wasn't... Wasn't great last year. His his shot is is uh, it's not I as ugly. Ugly's probably harsh, but it's not pretty. Um, you know, and yeah, certainly not as effective as the old man. So, uh, you know, hopefully he could take a, a step forward on that side of the ball too. But hey, you know, somebody who provides good, consistent, tough defense is always valuable. You know, I mean, it just just always is. Even if they're a total black hole on offense, you can find a way to get them on the court. Well, and Haller's article basically said that was Tayshawn Cherry last year. His offense yes. went in the tank, yes. and he still found a way to be on the court because he turned himself into a frustrating defender. Yes, yes, yes. And he's going to have a big role this year. I mean, with with a very tremendous lack of size that we've got. We've got Jalen Graham as a, as a returning big, and then a couple of these new guys that are total unknowns. Um, you know, and, and not big time recruits, you know, Taysom Cherry may have to play some center essentially. Uh, I mean, they don't really call it center anymore. That, that position is almost outdated, but, 
but uh, you know, there's there might be lineups, and that that article alluded to it, where he's the big man on the floor because that's all we've really got. Yeah, I thought sneakily in the article, uh, one fact that I found interesting: Jalen Graham grew again. He's six ten now. I saw that. I saw that. Well, and and you know, hopefully so. I mean, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, you never know at college heights, but. Uh, you know, it's it's possible, um, and yeah, I mean, they're going to be counting on him. I mean, that is that is this team's you know major question mark is its lack of of experience when it comes to big men. You got Jalen Graham who played a decent amount as a freshman, but wasn't a starter. Didn't you know? Probably only played over twenty minutes in a game a handful of times, if that. Uh, and that's it. So, you know, I mean, it is, it's, we're, we're plenty deep on the guard and wing spots and we're not deep at all in the big spot. And so, you know, we're going to have to win a certain way and it's the way you can win in college basketball. There's a lot of teams who have won national championships with rosters that are perimeter loaded and, and just have a decent big man to kind of, you know, fill space, play defense, get some rebounds, the like. When I remember that St. Joe's team where it was all guards. Yeah. Yeah. All guards. Uh, Villanova, you know, the, the years, I mean, not maybe the championship teams, but, you know, the, the early Jay Wright years when they made a couple, they made a run to the Final Four, and it went like Scotty Reynolds. They were, you know, they played basically four guards. Um, you know, yeah, St. Joe's a great example. And, I mean, even the Villanova teams that won the title the last couple it didn't have a great big man. You know, they were, they were perimeter loaded pretty much. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, the pressure keeps building for Hurley every year, and every yeah. year, it you know another twenty win season. If they can, if they can finish top three in the Pac twelve, I think that's not below expectations anymore. But I don't think that's no, beating expectations. No, it, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I think this is this is the most pressure going into a season that he will have had, and and that's. A good thing. I mean, if you're if you're afraid of pressure, then you're not a big time coach or big time player. You should want people to expect you to be good, and you should be ready to to face that and and meet it. Um, we'll see. You know, time will tell. But I think, yeah. I mean, we've we've had you know three years ago we made the tournament, and I think there was expectation that we could be a tournament type team. But I think this team it will it would be disappointing if we just squeak into the tournament. You know, like if if the and again, this is all said with the caveat that the season plays out as normal. Um, but you know, if we're if we're on the bubble going into the last week or two, and we got to squeak in, like that, this team should be better than that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm seeing in some rankings where you know top twenty in Seth Davis's yeah. rankings. It it would be very interesting if you could sign up for it now. Would you take Sweet Sixteen? Oh, sure. God, yes. <laughs> I mean, for a school like this that hasn't seen the second weekend of the tournament since 1995, absolutely. Okay. If the if the genie came and said right now, Sweet 16, guaranteed, but no further, that's as far as you're going to go. You're losing the Sweet 16, but, you know, you'll and, and, and I'll say this, not a Cinderella run to the Sweet 16. Like we're, uh, you know, we're somewhere in the, somewhere seated between, you know, three and six, uh, and, and we make the Sweet 16, and that's it. Or I take my chances, absolutely give me that. I'll run to the bank. Yeah. I mean... Now, I'd love it to be better. Make no mistake. I mean, you know, you 
you get greedy as you go along. If we're in the Sweet 16, I'll be thinking, well, you know, well, two more wins in the Final Four. And, you know, that's that's what it is to be a fan. Uh, but, yeah, I'd take it. Would you? I think I would. Um, my my fear would be, you know, if we played this out a little further, you make it to the Sweet 16. I'm the genie. I'll give sure. you Sweet 16, <laughs> but Christopher's gone along with the other yeah. two guards. Well, and, and the, yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, and that's that's it's funny that you say that because when I was saying there's pressure on this year, that's why there's pressure on this year. Remy Martin's a senior. Burge is a senior, I believe, right? I mean, he was a Juco yeah, kid. Yeah, so Burge is done. a senior. Um, Christopher has made it very plain, or at least his dad has, that he's a one and done. Um, if Bagley is as good as he's supposed to be, he's probably a one and done. So, I mean, you're, you're realistic. And Lawrence is a senior, right? And he's yeah. done. Yeah. So, I mean, you're losing almost, almost certainly five guys. Um, and, and so that's why there's pressure on this year. Now, you know, I see what you're saying. Is that, a, I mean, and that's why, that's why I framed it the way I did. If we're a 12 seed, and we win a couple of games and get to the Sweet 16, no, I don't think that's enough to do it this year. But if we're, you know, if we finish first or second in the conference, we get a, a four seed, we win a couple games, and we bow out in the Sweet 16, it'd be hard for me to complain about that, given that, again, ASU hasn't seen that since you and I were in fourth grade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'd be hard to get too greedy, I'd say, ah, oh, Sweet 16 would be disappointing. Now, if we're a number one seed and we go, you know, 28-2, then the, my expectation might be different come tournament time. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm i worried about what happens with the amount of loss we're going to suffer. Because, I mean, next year you're looking yeah. at two transfer guards, uh, unless the, the kid from the Big Sky Conference... Can play Holland this year, Woods. Right, which if I'm right. him, I, I I know they're saying it's his call on if he'll take the red shirt or play, but yeah, I might take it. Take the red shirt unless yeah. you're just anxious yeah. to get out. Right, right. No, I agree. I mean, certainly there appears to be more minutes available next year than this year. Yeah, but you're looking at him, the Ohio State transfer, right, right. Muhammad, and then it's Cherry, Graham, House, yeah. And yeah. whoever you bring in from recruiting, plus the JUCO I mean, kid and the you, Ukrainian guy. Well, yeah, and and I think what you hope is, you know, and and you got to actually do it. But what you hope is you have a good year this year, and you get some attention from kids and and postseason, just like we did this year with Josh Christopher. You know, as the season goes along or postseason, you can land a couple big fish again. And, you know, they can they look at this team and say, uh, I, you know, I like what's building down there. I like what he's letting these kids do. I like that Josh Christopher's going to be a you know top five pick in the draft after his one year there. I want to be there, too. Yeah. And you got to do it. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's easy to say and harder to do. But I think that's got to be your hope. I agree. And I think, you know, it's been alluded to with Haller and elsewhere that Dort has helped. And oh, I th- sure. I think that's true because he didn't get drafted, but he played himself into a starting role and yeah. a contract. I was going to say, I, mean, I was watching the end of a game of theirs um, earlier this week. I think they were playing Denver, and he's on the court at the end of the game. Like He's not just coming off the bench and playing some cheap minutes. He's 
he's in there in a, in a tight game, you know, like, yeah, he's, he's obviously showing something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's exciting. Um, moving slightly to the West and Sun Devil Stadium, also yes. exciting. Um, recruiting went bananas yeah. in July. Yeah. Uh, and it's continued in August. They landed uh, one of the top corners in the country. ESPN's got our top two commits as mm-hmm. both being uh, four-star corners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isaiah Johnson's the new one. Tommy Hill was the old one. Um, you know, Isaiah Johnson, ESPN has as the number one corner in the country. Now, I've seen that yeah. that range from one to four, but you know what? I'll take it if he's the number four corner. I'll take in the country. four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and, and like you said, you texted me about this a couple of days ago. Logical fit. Um, you know, it's it's like when a team you know has their uh, you know their their starting corners leaving free agency, and then they use their first two draft picks on corners. Like, you know, we're we're looking at losing. We lost, I would say, our best corner last year already in Kobe Williams, but we have two coming back that played a lot you know, a lot of experience that should be our starters this year, but they're both seniors. So yeah, there's, there's an immediate playing time opportunity there. Yeah. And you know, you've got a lot of guys in the secondary. They've really invested in that with the Markham twins. Right. Um, and and right. down Mark's the line. Kid. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. You know, but there's a lot of one attrition out there. Yeah. Um, because, People are bigger and trying to tackle tight ends is hard. Sure, sure, that's uh, true. But also, just because of the way the game's going, teams are going three and four wide as their base offense. So you're playing oh, yeah. nickel or dime as your base defense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't be a you know four three uh, defense all the time, and, and especially not in in you know the Pac twelve and the Big twelve. I'd say more than more than any conference or conferences. I mean, they're wide open. You know, most teams are are playing, yeah, you know, four wide receivers. Uh, they're not running the power eye. You know, that those those days are gone, except for a little bit from Stanford, but that's it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you you gotta you got to have secondary guys to be able to cover and tackle and all of that. And, you know, I mean, that's that's Herb's background. Uh, so you'd expect him to be a, a good, good eye for talent there and, and, you know, be able to coach kids up. And to be fair, he has. We, you know, we've had improvement in that since he's taken over and you know now the now if you can improve the base talent even better yeah uh, you know that's one of the things that's going to be interesting about this team with the with the choppy offseason and going into next year you know you've got the quarterback you've got the star Mm -hmm. but what else is happening around him you know, you lost your top receiver for the second year in a row. You got Darby right. as a senior, and then you got right. a lot of guys who made impressive moves. Ton of, and then four ton of freshmen. Yeah, right. I was gonna say. I mean, you loaded up at that position, so you should have you should have talent there. I mean, even if you miss on one or two of them, and as we know in recruiting, that's gonna happen. Uh, you you've got enough that you should you should hit on at least two of them, and hopefully have hopefully more than that. I mean, if you hit on all four, great. Yeah. Unlikely, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if a couple of the guys from last year's class, the guys who were freshmen last year that showed potential, 
if they continue to grow and a couple of the, the true freshmen, you know, develop and, you know, then you've got the makings of a really good group and you're not dependent on Nikhil Harry to, you know, to be the number one guy. You've got three or four guys you can count on. Yeah. The, the thing for ASU, as Haller's article made the point and as we've observed for years, yeah, the offensive line is, you know, it's makeshift. Oh, sure. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. He, yeah, Kellen Deesh from uh, Texas and uh, or a- is it A and M? A and M, A and M, right? And yeah. Hattis from Stanford, right? And you're asking them to both plug in, and then Cade Cote, who missed all of right. last year, right? And then you got the the two guys who are true freshmen, who you think are going to slide into spots, and and Ben Scott are you know the guys the guys who were freshmen last year? Yeah, West, West and, and yeah. right. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a question mark group, no doubt. I mean it's it's uh like we were talking about basketball, and I said we've got the obvious question mark of, of you know our size inside. Uh, that's the question mark, and I, I mean I saw Haller put it that way, and he's exactly right. That is this team's biggest question. Not to say they don't have others, but you know if if the offensive line comes together well and can be good, not asking them to be you know all world. Uh, but just good, then this team should be pretty good. I mean, we, we've got a good quarterback. We've got good talent that has come in at running back and receiver, even though we lost some. We've supposedly recruited very well there. Um, defense showed promise the last couple of years. We got a lot back on defense. Like, you know, there's there's enough there to feel like this could be a really good team. But, yeah, it, it, you know, that that question mark has to come up at least somewhat positive yeah. for us. Uh, on the running back front, Nada and Trainum, does it feel a little Richard Balage to you? You got one yeah, guy who's 5'9", uh, and then another guy who's the bigger, 5'11", and yeah. you bring them both in, and it's like, yeah, go ahead, guys. Either one of you is fine. Uh, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I'm not saying Richard and Balage were Lendale White, Reggie Bush, but if you told me those guys' careers would, would go the way those two did, I'd probably be okay with that. I mean, I'd love it if they were better, but those two did a pretty good job. You know, Richard by the end was extremely dependable yeah. uh, and tough, just tough as tough as they came. Yeah. And and Balaz was a little more hit or miss. He'd have some games like that Texas Tech game, obviously, and a few others where he was like, "Wow, this kid's amazing," and other games where he would disappear. But you know, yeah, they they had pretty good careers here. Is uh is it fair to say Grice and Foster was the best one two punch at running back? I think so, yeah. I would say so. That I mean Grice was Grice was so good. He really was. Like you know, I think he's one of those guys that because he didn't he didn't really take off in the NFL. I thought he might, but he just didn't. You know, like as time goes on you kind of forget how good he was, but man, he was dependable. And, and could catch passes and, and, you know, run outside, run inside. And Foster was such a good weapon for that offense. I mean, he was he was a great fit for what that offense did. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, it, when you think about it, you know, they were they were different, but they were interchangeable. Like, yes, they, they could were. both catch yeah. passes. They could both pass protect. Yeah. They could both yeah. run between the tackles. They could both get outside. Yeah. But they just... I mean, I'm thinking... I'm thinking of the duos that we've had since, you know, since we started here. Terrain and Herring were pretty good in 06. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and would have been probably pretty good in 07, except Terrain got hurt halfway through. Um, but that, you know, that was a nice combo. But I think Grice and Foster were better. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, Richard Bellage were pretty darn good. I mean, they, they were, they were solid. If Bellage could have been more consistent, we might say they were better than Grice and Foster. But like I said, Bellage was one of those guys who was like, big explosion game, great game. And then the next two games, he just didn't do much of anything. Yeah. Um, looking at the other side of the ball, if you, if, you know, when you look at the recruiting for this year and it's a lot of defense and a lot of guys, we're, we only have a surprising few number of actual seniors on the defense this right. year. You got right. Foreman, Fields, and the two corners. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you would, you would expect that a couple of those juniors might be looking at going pro early. Yeah, um, but so you, know, we'll you mean see. the linebacking core? <laughs> yeah, I mean at least Robertson. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if Butler's an early. I mean Butler's not that big. Yeah, I'm not sure he's a pro prospect. Honestly, he's good in college, but I don't, I don't know about him in the NFL. And the problem for Butler as a pro is he's six feet two forty three. Yeah, and he's not Zach Thomas. No, he's not. I mean that's yeah, that's a hard position to be undersized. You can do it. There's a few who do it really well. Sean but, Lee. You know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Robertson is, is the, he's the prototype. I mean, he's the guy who's going to go to the combine and be like, wow, this guy checks all the boxes. Uh, even though Butler might be the more productive player. At least he was last year. Um, we'll, we'll hope that Robertson gets back to freshman year form this year. But, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's sort of like the, the Bellage and Richard when they were coming out. Richard was the more productive running back for us. But Balazs was the guy who, you know, you would have expected, and he did get drafted and, and has stuck in the NFL, and Richard didn't. Well, it's, you know, I think if you want to go even more recent, Lucas and Kobe Williams. Yeah, true. Everyone true. said, oh, Chase Lucas, Chase Lucas, Chase yeah. Lucas, and you and yeah. I have been, you know, the only people on the island saying, uh, Kobe Williams. Yeah, Kobe yeah, Williams. I agree. No, I mean, sometimes, sometimes there's a difference between – you know, best pro prospect and best college player. Yeah, and, and yeah, those are just a few examples that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting. We'll, you know, now that they're going to be showing up in the next couple weeks, we're going to get our first look at uh, Chad Johnson Jr. Yeah. And then, and then in order of names from my favorite or from my least favorite to my favorite of just amazing wide receiver names after Chad Johnson Jr. Johnny yeah. Wilson sounds like a receiver or an undercover he cop. He does, yes. Elijah Badger, which is which on any other team would be the best name in a recruiting class. Yeah, except not us. LV Bunkley Shelton. Oh yeah. Best name of name. any receiver, it best really name is. of any yeah. recruit. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's it's an all name team kind of guy. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's uh they, they sound like a good receiving core. They really do. I mean it it sounds like, you know, a receiving core that you you'd put in a movie. Yeah, uh, you know. Like those it hopefully they're as good in play as they are, you know, on the roster. I mean the thing that I'm excited about is they all seem different. And you talk, you hear yeah. guys talk about how you want them to be like a basketball team. You need your big guy, you sure. need your fast guy. Well, Johnny Wilson's six six. Right. You know. Right. I, I'm hoping that he can be what I wanted Curtis Hodges to be. <laughs> I was thinking that too. 
Yeah, we've, we've had a few tall receivers that haven't worked out great. But, yeah, I mean, this kid is supposed to be really good. He, he, he certainly comes with a lot of pedigree. Um, and, and, I mean, all of them do. They're all highly regarded. And, and so, like I said, it's unlikely that all four will work out as expected. But if two of them do, or three of them, even better, you know, then you, you've got the makings of a really good group and, and you got two years with this quarterback. Um, you know, boy, it, it can't help but be excited. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the sophomores, and I know it was, uh, it, you know, behind Darby, it's a lot of question marks, but sure. Curly, Pearsall, and Porter, yeah, we're all, all flashed. Yeah, we're all guys who had a moment. I, I don't. They did. I know Brandon Pierce. He's a senior, and he had a, I think, one catch last yeah. year. I yeah, just don't. Yeah. I, I feel like when you're five nine, one sixty, you're getting passed by these guys. Right. Right. Yeah. But no, all three of those guys that you just mentioned. I mean, they they all at one time last year had a, you know, a flash of like, Ooh, it could be pretty good. Um, now that wasn't consistent, but they didn't get a lot of consistent playing time either. We had other receivers and, you know, they were in and out. Uh, they should get more opportunities now. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the formula that realistically you hope for is a couple of them and a couple of the freshmen each, you know, look pretty good. And, and you've got, you know, this year and next, to really take advantage of hopefully a, a really good quarterback and a loaded receiving core and hopefully two really good running backs too with these two freshman kids. Yeah. And Darby does have, I would say, a, a puncher's chance of being our third consecutive drafted receiver. I don't think he he'll does. be a first rounder. I, but... I, I was going to say, I wouldn't think he's a first rounder, but then again, I didn't think Brandon Ayuk was a first rounder last year at this time. I mean, I liked him. He's a good player. But if you'd said, you know, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick, I probably would have said, yeah, I don't think so. You know, so, yeah, you never know. Um, I think going around uh, the football horn here, the the only other thing I had on my talking points list was uh, the movement by Pac-12 players and joined now by some Big Ten players mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. making uh, somewhere between a demand and a request – I, I think it, yeah. it, it's phrased as a demand. It has the force of a request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. For for changes and and certain guarantees, I think. Frankly, I think they've got a much better shot of getting the health and safety guarantees they want than the societal oh. and justice changes and financial yeah. uh, or the financial ones. I mean, uh, without question, they've got a better chance of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the whole you know we want fifty percent of the revenue. Good luck, boys, because if you want that, you're never playing again. I mean, I mean you know, NFL, there may come a, yeah, NFL players get 50% say, of the revenue. They don't get Right, right. You know, and, and there may come a day where college sports has that, but it ain't coming in these guys' careers. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's a nice goal, but it's, it's not going to happen this year. So if, if you're really insistent on, you know, we want 50% of the revenue and we want Larry Scott and the higher-ups to take, you know, pay cuts and give up their bonuses – then you better be prepared that you're done playing football. Yeah, if you're really not gonna, if you're really not gonna play unless every demand is met. Yeah, then yeah. you're not gonna play. Yeah, because they're not gonna be met. And you're correct too. I mean, we texted about this like a noble effort to say, you know, we want an end to racial injustice. Unfortunately, that's not within the Pac-12's power. I'm sure they can maybe do a few things here and there to try to help the cause. But you know, like Larry Scott, as as I joked with you. He can't even get his network on direct TV. <laughs> he sure can't figure out the, you know, problems with racism in the United States. 
Well, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but ASU does a great job of that. And I think as long as this becomes, if this is a thing, then ASU is just going to look better and better. Oh, uh, yeah, Yeah. sure, sure. I I would agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, look, you know, again, everything they say has a basis in, in, reason and and there, there's nothing that was in there that i'm thinking oh that's stupid you know and you look you and i've had many a discussion about should athletes be able to make money should they be paid whatever term you want to use and we're on the same page that they probably should you know they, they bring in a lot of money and they should get a cut of that pie but it's not going to happen this year it's just not and and they're all there i mean one thing too they're they're their demands are a little bit um, in contrast that can't be met. You can't say we want 50% of the revenue and we want to verify that all other sports will be kept in in place. That's not going to happen. If the PAC 12 decided tomorrow, they're not going to, but if the PAC 12 decided tomorrow, okay, you're right. We'll give you 50% of the revenue. The next move is going to be to cut 15 sports. Yeah. Because that revenue props up those sports. Well, that's (laughs) the thing is it's, uh, it's finite. Well, it's finite, and and part of the issue is, like, they are right, and and they, to the players' credit, they do see the full picture. That's why they are suggesting pay cuts for people. Sure, yeah, But that's not going to happen voluntarily. It's not going to happen. It's not. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I texted you this, and I, and I, I can't, I know it's not exactly the same. I know they're not employees, but if you or I or anybody who works a job went to their boss and said, you know what I want? I want you to take less money. They would say, well, I want you to find another place to work. That's just the way it is. Telling your boss or the people that are higher up than you to take less money is probably never going to be successful. It is an unpopular path. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, do I agree that they could take less money? Sure, absolutely. But, you know, getting people to sacrifice their own money is not a high rate of success. You know, and and in this case, I would say it's got about a zero point zero percent chance of success. Yeah, I so agree. you know, it, it's it's uh, it's interesting. You know, and and again, I mean, I I think you and I have been pretty consistent over the years in in saying that you know I'm I'm all for these guys being able to make money. In reality, should they get a cut of the revenue? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but you have to you have to know that there will be, if that ever happens, there will absolutely be consequences to it. That would mean probably no more, you know, college water polo and college golf and college tennis and the like, because you know they start sharing the revenue with the players. There's not going to be the revenue to prop up those other sports. Yeah, because those sports don't make revenue. You know, you you remember that day we went to the you know seven sports in one day. Um, we walked into you know, five of them. Well, most of them, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 there were only dozens of people there. Um, you know, it's it's basketball and football. I mean, ASU is a great example, and most colleges are this way. Men's basketball, football, maybe to a very small extent, women's basketball brings in the money. That's it. The other sports are propped up by the money brought in from those sports. Yeah. Hundred percent true. So, you know, eh, well, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, the the thing I I did find interesting was the 
backlash to, you know, the Washington State coach apparently saying, hey, if you're part of this group, you know, don't come back. Like, that's going to happen. Um, I mean, when you, when you take a stand, you do risk the consequences. And I, don't, I would be hard-pressed to believe the Washington State coach is the only coach who feels that way. What's going to be of interest, I think, moving forward with that is who does it? Because if Jaden Daniels does it. Sure, sure. It's, a, it's always a sliding scale of, you know, who would you, who do you have more patience with? The star quarterback or the true freshman receiver? It's mm-hmm. the star quarterback. Yeah, the backup offensive lineman. They, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's going to be interesting. And there's going to be, there's going to be, players available on the market and some of them might come back to bite you. If they might, you let them they go. might. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, but there, there are, there are consequences to, you know, now it's a, it's a different animal saying, Hey, we think we should have, you know, testing protocols and make sure we're safe with you on that. But if you say, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to fulfill my end of the bargain on my athletic scholarship, which your end of the bargain is to play sports. That's why you have the athletic scholarship because we want more money or, you know, whatever it is. Well, you know, there certainly is likely to be fallout where they say, okay, bye-bye, no more athletic scholarship for you. I mean, if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, you know, that's, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And whether you think that's fair compensation or not, and again, I don't, but that is their compensation. They get a scholarship, they get, you know, free gear and free – free, you know, food and, and tutors and the like, and, you know, there's, it's a decent life being a college student athlete. Um, those things go away if you don't want to be the athlete part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least they can, you know, some place, some places may not take them. It's not a popular thing. I mean, I know the Washington state coach got raked over the coals this week. People like to, you know, criticize on social media, but I'm, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, Oh Yeah. Like I can see his point. I mean, you know, like if you're not if you're not going to be part of this, then don't be part of it. Yeah. Look, it, it, there is a, a principled stand matters. Like if you take a principled stand, that's commendable. But, it is. You know, is, Colin but, Kaepernick but is the repercussions. Like we. Well, you know. absolutely. I mean, you can't help but think of him, and you and I have discussed him many times, and. Like, I've said it, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face or until I can't speak anymore. Like, you know, it, Colin Kaepernick, well within his rights to do what he did, and all 32 NFL teams are well within their rights to say, we don't want him around because of that. That's life. And if some people then say, I don't want to watch the NFL because you didn't give Kaepernick an opportunity, that's also life. You know, you have your right to do that. If some people say, I don't want to watch the NBA because the players are kneeling during the anthem, they have their right to do that. Like that's, and LeBron that's the, can and LeBron can say what he right. said, which and is he can criticize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't need you. Of, that's the beauty of the country we live in. Is you know, like yeah, we look, we we do have the right to protest and not be thrown in jail for it, and that's great. But that doesn't mean there are no consequences to said protest. Some, yeah. You know, your boss, your coach, your whatever can say, "I don't like your protest. Go away." You know, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is. Colin Kaepernick is not guaranteed the right to play in the NFL. He decided he was going to do what he did, and that right disappeared because teams didn't want him around anymore. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. 
hopefully we'll get to have a debate on whether or not people should have the opportunity to play because games will be happening soon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a fun last few, the last time we talked was, was Thursday night and, you know, basketball was just starting and hockey hadn't started yet. And I got to say, it's been, it's had a, it's had a sort of March madness feel to it with, you know, hockey games and basketball games starting in the AM hours here and, uh, going all day long. I mean, uh, you know, I watch hockey at nine in the morning and there's a hockey game on when I go to bed at night. Like it's been pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Edmonton and Toronto crushing it right now. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like uh, last night, I, you know, I, or yesterday I watched, you know, Panthers Islanders as I started work and I went to bed and Blackhawks Oilers were still going on. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about probably not that much hockey, but we'll talk about other things moving forward. <laughs> hey, we may, we may talk some hockey depending on what happens with football. Fair enough. Good point. <laughs> That's a very good point. We'll see. We'll see. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben and Matt Sportscast.